stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. I'm enthusiastic today about my two guests and our topic, A Distinguished Military Career Interrupted. But before I introduce you to um, to my two guests this morning, I'm going to give you our blast from the past historical question. I have three questions this morning. Three questions. Um, number one, who was the first female in management at Pinkerton? Number two, who was the first female in, uh, investigator in the Nevada Attorney General's Office? And number three, who was in the first class of female MPs for any branch of the military? So be thinking about that, and I'll give you the answers at the end of the show. Well, long long before, years before, don't ask, don't tell, and despite more than 25 years exemplary military service, including receiving a Bronze Star for service in Vietnam, Colonel, and I know I'm going to butcher your name, Margrethe Kammermeyer was discharged from the Washington National Guard after she disclosed she was a lesbian during a security clearance interview. Today we're going to talk with Colonel Kammermeyer, RN, Ph.D., USA Retired, and she said I can call her Greta. Talk to her about her journey, about the investigation surrounding her sexual orientation, her lawsuit against the military, and her vindication when she was reinstated to retire honorably as Washington State Chief Nurse. Good morning, Greta. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. Oh, it's a pleasure. And joining me and Greta is today's co-host, Gina Crown. Gina Crown is the owner of Reno, Nevada's Crown, Stanley, and Silverman. She conducts complaint investigations for state regulatory agencies and civil and criminal investigations, and her agency also contacts with counties in California and Nevada to conduct investigations for um, indigent defendants. She's held promotions or positions. I'm sorry, I'm being... Uh, Somebody's making motions at me here. Gina has held positions at, as a special investigator for the Nevada State Attorney General and as a compensation officer for Nevada's Victims of Crime Program. She's a licensed investigator in Nevada, California, and Washington, and she's a member of each state's professional PI association. Hi, Gina. Hi, good morning, and good morning to you, Greta. Good morning, Gina. So let's just pretend that we're all sitting around the kitchen table having coffee while Greta tells us about her life's journey. Um, Greta, were you, you were born in Nazi-occupied Nazi Norway during the Second World War, correct? Uh, yes. I, um, we lived across from Nazi headquarters, as a matter of fact. Oh, wow. 
and uh, you you must have been your family must have been very concerned. Well, you know, I think most Norwegians uh, uh, were sort of appalled at the Nazi invasion to begin with, and uh, then, uh, after feeling absolutely helpless, decided that they would uh, begin to have underground resistance and try to do the best that they could, living under such a, a regime that took away more and more of their rights, even the right to wear a paperclip on your lapel, which was a sign of solidarity with the king that uh, who was uh, setting up his, um, his uh, government in exile for mm-hmm. the Norwegians. And so many became a part of the underground or supporting the underground. And my parents, uh, my father was in the military for the month or two that the military was active. Uh, and then uh, he uh, and my mother became part of the support system for the resistance forces. And uh, as I wrote in my book, uh, I remember my mother telling me of using me as a decoy and putting me in the baby carriage and then taking, you know, like casual walks through through town and then uh, sort of uh, driving into a little alley and the resistant forces would come out of the doorways and uh, pick me up, hand me to my mother while they... Uh, went underneath the little mattress in the in the baby carriage and would take the guns and things that my mother was driving around town mm. with. Uh, so she was using me as a, a decoy for uh, for those for years. Sure. And and I think that um, growing up in that sort of um, milieu of standing up for those things that you believe are right uh, molds you in such a way that. You hope that you can be as tough and stand up on principle uh, if the occasion ever came. And I think that throughout my life that has ended up being my my sort of guiding light when I need to make decisions that are tough. Mm, that makes sense. So you have your parents really taught you to stand up for what you believed was right. Yeah, well, what, what, in the yeah, what, what, what's always interesting about that is they don't actually teach you, but they role model it, so it becomes part of the essence of your being. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Yeah. And then, then you moved to the United States. How old were you then? Uh, I was nine when we immigrated. Uh, we had had a visit uh, to Boston for nine months after the war. My father received the Rockefeller Fellowship and was there, and then we went back to to Norway, and then he was asked to immigrate in uh, 1950, and, and we came over in 1951. And what kind of work was it that your father did? He, he was a neuropathologist uh, dealing with uh, the brain and the nervous system and doing research and uh, you know, one of the things that he said when he became an American citizen was that the reason for doing it was the freedom of research. And uh, it, that also had to do with the support. You know, the, uh, he was working at the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology to begin with and mm-hmm. then went over to the National Institutes of Health. Okay, and then when you became of age, you 
joined the military. Is that right? What well, what, what I uh, did was, uh, in, while in college, uh, heard about the Army Student Nurse Program and uh, ended up enlisting in the uh, Army uh, WAC Corps at the time. And the, the military would pay for your last two years of school, and in return, you would serve for three years on active duty. I love the military, and so once my obligation was over, I uh, just continued to serve uh, on active duty. And uh, then, curiously, there was there was a, uh, there were a couple of policies in place. One is that as a woman, you couldn't be married and be in the military. Mm-hmm. And uh, then subsequently, they saw the error of that policy and ended up uh, changing it so that women were allowed to marry and be in the, reser- uh, in the military. And uh, I met my husband and uh, in Germany. We were married there and then went, came back to Virginia and then to Vietnam. And uh, then he and I decided that we wanted to start a family, and women couldn't be uh, have uh, be parents, be married, uh, rather have um, have children, mm-hmm. and, be, and be in the military. So I was forced to leave after coming back from Vietnam uh, and uh, being at Fort Lewis for a while. And so I left the military, and then. In 1972, the policy changed again, and this time I went back into the Army Reserves, served there for many years, and then transferred over to the Guard when there was a chief nurse position. So I've I've served both on active duty or on active duty in the Reserves and in the National Guard and sort of have a a broad Mm. background uh, in in the military that ultimately ended up uh, with 31 and a half years of service. So you you well, also had a a civilian career during most of those years as well, did you not? Yeah, I had a concurrent career, uh, and which you can do as a reservist, and uh, in the VA medical system where I uh, ultimately was a nurse researcher and ran a seizure clinic and a sleep lab. And um, uh, you know, worked with the VA uh, for about 25 years uh, concurrently. So I had these two parallel careers, um, and that gave me the opportunity to go back to school and get my PhD, and then be able to to put all of those skills to use, both from the military as well as from academia. And uh, let me just mention um, your book, Serving in Silence, because. Um, People who are listening might be interested in getting that book, uh, but I'm, I remember you saying in your book that there were a number of different ways that, or different things that happened during your tenure with the military, where things did change. Where, just like you mentioned, uh, um, you couldn't be married; that changed. You couldn't have dependents; that changed. Even to the point where you went to Vietnam with your husband, they arranged to, they built married housing for you that they didn't have, and things like that. So when this investigator came to you and asked you um, about your sexual orientation, you thought that that would, you would be accepted as well in that area. 
correct? Well, of course. Uh, I mean, you believe that the system is there and takes care of their own. And, I mean, uh, there's a little gap in the history there. You know, I was married for 15 years, realized that there was something wrong and in that marriage and that I needed to get out of it, even though I didn't quite understand why what it was that was going on. I was uh, almost suicidal in uh, my um, just my my frustration and feeling that I, I shouldn't be here type of a thing and ended up getting divorced and was divorced for probably eight or nine years before I, I, I would put in quote, met that woman mm-hmm. and uh, who then ended up sort of shining a light on why it was that I had been uncomfortable in my marriage. Uh, and, uh, and Diane and I met in 1988, and uh, there was that aha moment, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I was uh, wanting to get a top-secret clearance to be able to apply for the war college so that I could be competitive to be a general, uh, then uh, realizing that, you know, I was going to, because I knew that there was a policy against uh, sort of homosexual serving in the military, mm-hmm. but um, also realized that uh, I needed to get this top secret clearance to be able to, to move forward with my career. And uh, then when uh, I ultimately was sort of confronted with the investigator and he asked, some question, and I don't recall the exact wording of it, um, but it had to do with homosexuality and, or, or sexual deviancy or something like that. And uh, I said, uh, I am a lesbian. And Stay it, right there. <laughs> Stay right there, Greta. Uh, that was Colonel Greta Kammermeyer. Stay tuned. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. 
If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Colonel Greta Kammermeyer has been talking about her interview with the investigator when she was making a bid for general. Greta, tell us more. Well, you know, when when I sat down and talked with the investigator, I was a little bit concerned to begin with. We were, you know, I, I should really set the scene. I was at work. Uh, mm-hmm. I ran a seizure clinic. I had 200 patients that I was following, and this guy came in and said, you know, we just need to chat for about an hour or so. And so we found a little uh, office down in the basement of an old building, uh, and uh, there were uh, the, the windows were high up against the almost like uh, clear, uh, you know, clear story glasses, uh, uh, windows. Mm-hmm. And so a little bit like a dungeon, <laughs> and as I look back on it, uh, it really felt that way in the course of the day also. And the, the moment I said that I was a lesbian, I mean, you could hear, see his antennas go up, and all of a sudden it was like he, he was right there on top of, of me wanting to have me answer all sorts of questions that that really were, I thought, inappropriate and was not really part of anything that was necessary because my belief uh, was that, you know, being a lesbian is what you feel emotionally and that there's a connectedness that you have with people of the same gender that you don't have with people of the opposite gender Mm -hmm. and that it was about me. It was not about a relationship with anyone, but it was just me personally self-identifying as such. And so as he grilled me and grilled me to try to get me to say 
things that had to do with conduct, which, uh, you know, I, I, you know, did just did not go in that direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, the, the whole tenor of the interview uh, became very tense, to say the least. And by the time all was said and done, I had spent five hours oh with goodness. this guy on duty while I was trying to, you know, I had a couple of physicians who were covering for me with my patients, but at the same time there was this I need to go type of a thing, and he was saying, you know, you need to stay and finish this. And by the end of it, uh, which was close to 5 o'clock, he said, uh, you know, I'm going to need a statement from you, uh, a signed statement. And I said, well, you know, I would, uh, you know, get something uh, to him in the next day or so. And he said, well, no, I really need it right now. And since I know what they're looking for, and I now put that in quotes, (laughs) Um, mm-hmm. I'll, really? I'll type it up uh, and get it ready for you to sign. Mm-hmm. And so he he went away and uh, wrote up a, a paragraph or so that he summarized our five-hour uh, interrogation into a one-paragraph uh, 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 sort of uh, confession mm-hmm. um, where he had you know, abstracted things and worded things that I never said. Mm-hmm. And so he allowed me to sort of mark all of those things off uh, to clearly indicate that that's not what I had said. And then I signed the paper. I just wanted it to, you know, to be over. And, and, and you're, I'm, because I'm thinking your objective was one of integrity. You wanted to say, really, who you identified with, and be clear, because it was a matter of integrity. Well, not only that, I didn't ever want to be blackmailed. You know, right. the, the, the thought had, uh, you know, what had been talked about before was that, uh, you know, you could be blackmailed, and then, you you know, it, you just go down a slippery slope. And and it's not what you do, nor how you represent yourself. When when you're in uniform uh, as a military officer, I really felt that you know honesty and integrity, and uh, you know standing up for who I was, was what it was all about. And uh, then as these investigators went out and interviewed my my friends. Mm. who uh, also felt extremely intimidated because they they understood that there was uh, the the question of how much information they should divulge and and if they were going to be tricked and I didn't realize at the time that at any particular point they could have said you know we, we don't want to participate in this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but they didn't know, think we, they had the option exactly mm-hmm. and I think you know we we go into these types of situations pretty blindly uh and uh so uh, you know there was the intimidation of my my friends who I put on the list as as character references also uh which which felt extremely awkward mm-hmm. and uh so uh you know, I, I, it, it ended up being over with in uh, a matter of six hours or so. But you know, it was a long one-hour interview, and it, it was six months later 
that I was called into my military commander's office and uh, said that the military was going to start discharge proceedings against me because of my statement in the top-secret security clearance. And during that time, of course, you were still functioning in your position. Yes, I was. uh, Not only not only was I state chief nurse, I was also chief nurse of a new hospital that was being created uh, to get ready to be be mobilized if necessary. And so I was out recruiting, and we were really doing a great job, and the training was wonderful, and and uh, you know it was it was an exciting time to be in in the military. And so when I was uh, told that they were going to press charges against me and discharge me, I really did not. I mean, I was I had had enough time in the military that I could retire, mm-hmm. but that's not who I am. And uh, I didn't know, uh, you know, how many other gays and lesbians there were in the military or that sort of thing. But, you know, even in my naive mind, suspected that there were a few others and decided that, well, with my background and experience and the fact that I had been married and had kids and, and had a Bronze Star from Vietnam and was chief nurse, that I would be a good example of why the policy didn't work and was unnecessary. And so that uh, ultimately the policy would be changed and, you know, this was now my turn to stand up and be counted. That makes sense to me. And let me let me just um, fill in a couple of gaps. So you were you and your husband were married fifteen years, is that right? Yes. You have four sons. Yes. And up until the time you met Diane, your your current partner and long long time partner ever since you met her, correct? Right. Uh, you had really no idea that your sexual orientation was different than a heterosexual. Well, I think, you know, you sort of wonder, you know, why it is that as a kid you felt different, uh, mm-hmm. why it is that uh, you, you're not interested in talking about, uh, you know, having kids and being married but love to play baseball. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was sort of there were some probably some early signs there that I just didn't put together with anything else um, because there were no role models of, of options. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until, uh, you know, sometimes you think, well, you have an infatuation with somebody and then, you know, it's just because it's that person. But I think it's something else. And I think my aha moment was when uh, I I was at home sort of, melancholy, thinking about poor me being all alone and that sort of thing, and and wondering, well, I wasn't interested in being in a relationship with a man, mm-hmm. uh, and then I didn't explore it any further. <laughs> it was more like, well, that's out. And so I, I just sort of left it open uh, to whatever was going to happen, and then ultimately uh, ended up meeting Diane and realizing that there was the emotional connection that I had not felt before. And uh, it took, I think it, it takes time to take on a label. 
Uh, it's a, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, you graduate from college, you are a nurse, but you don't really feel like one until mm-hmm. you've done some, uh, clinical time and you've had a chance to sort of own the particular label and say, yeah, this is who I am. And it was, I think that process for me, of recognizing that this infatuation uh, really also spoke to who I was, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, that it was who I was regardless of who I was with. And, and what a cool thing to find somebody that you have that emotional connection with. Well, I mean, whatever yeah, somebody's orientation is. We've been cool together now for 23 years, nearly 23 years, and um, I blame her. Uh, and, and I say, you know, if it weren't for you, I'd be a general in the Pentagon. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> now, Greta, what kind of, what was the extent of the investigation that they did over well, that six months it, before they announced to you they were going to proceed with discharge? Well, you know, what I don't know is, uh, I do know that they went and saw my friends and talked to my boss and, and uh, uh, you know, in- interviewed neighbors and things like that, and that they too felt intimidated. And uh, then, uh, but other than that, I I only know the six hours that I experienced then, and then I have to say that I went through a similar experience some months later uh, after uh, we went into court the defense investigative service uh, wanted to talk to me again and uh, I was sort of summoned in and I called my attorney because now I had an attorney and uh, was told that I should go with an attorney um, to to the second investigation, and I said, but, you know, I've already been there. I already know what it's around uh, about, and uh, she said, you know, if you didn't, I mean, you, you can't do that and expect to, to be able to have us sort of move forward with this and, and uh, with this lawsuit, and I, I thought to myself, you know, if if I didn't have an attorney, I wouldn't have needed one. So I ought to take her advice. And uh, I did then go for the second um, interview with my attorney, which made a great deal of difference psychologically for me because the second time I was called in to be interviewed, there were two of them. Mm. Um, Two investigators? uh, Yeah, two investigators, and they each had a writing pad and were taking, you know, copious notes as we were talking. And uh, my attorney wasn't allowed to say anything, but uh, she had, you know, coached me on, you know, not to disclose anything further and also that, that they already had my statements and that you wouldn't want to say anything that might not be the same thing that was said the first time. This, is a, good, this is a good place for a break, Greta. Uh, we'll be discussing the perils of being gay in the military. Don't go away. Uh-huh. 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. IRB Search is simply the best online data provider for locating people, businesses, and assets. IRB Search gives you strength in numbers. With one click, you can access billions of records. Even with partial information on your subject, IRB Search instantly returns current and past addresses, phone numbers, and more. Call IRB Search today at 1-800-447-2112 to sign up. Mention PIs Declassified and you'll receive a two-week trial of 100 free searches to get started. Call one 800-447-2112 to find out why IRB Search is simply the best. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Private Investigator Gina Crown and I've been discussing with Colonel Greta Kammermeyer her case against the military. And Greta, you were just telling us about the second interview you had with the investigators uh, while you were in court. Yeah, uh, at, at the second interview, we really were in a little in a little room. There were three seats there originally, and they brought in a fourth one because I had brought my attorney along, and we're this time sitting taking notes in regard to everything that I was saying. And it was 
it was even more intimidating in some ways because now I, I knew a little bit, I knew a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it, it, from my perspective, it also was uh, there was nothing further to disclose. And I think that they were just wanting to have a written record with witness of mm-hmm. some of the things that they were uh, trying to say that I had said previously. And um, so uh, I, I think from their perspective, that was probably a fruitless uh, second interview. But the fact that, you know, they went through the the process of doing a second interview when I had already disclosed that I was a lesbian, they were already starting discharge, trying to start discharge proceedings against me. And I say trying to because my commanders did not want me out. Mm-hmm. And it took two years of dragging their feet because we were working on mobilization. We were uh, very busy, and uh, the the military base was uh, that I would have had to go to for medical evaluation and psychiatric evaluation and everything was uh, was also extremely busy because of the buildup for Iraq. Sure, uh, one, and so uh, it. You know, it took over two years for us to go from the time that the military had said that they wanted to start discharge proceedings until my commanders then actually conducted the initial investigation, uh, which was trying to convince me that I really didn't say what I had said mm-hmm. and, and whether or not I was really of sound mind at the time I had said it, mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to do anything that they could to get me to recant so that they but of course if you weren't of sound mind then they would get you out on that (laughs) well you know it's a little bit are you are you of sound enough mind to go to court (laughs) and and i had to have a psychiatric evaluation by the chief of psychiatry at madigan army medical center and um so it was you know the whole thing is just bizarre but but you know reflecting just on because since both Gina and I are are private investigators on the investigation process and I think Gina would probably agree with me wouldn't you Gina this would be exactly the kind of thing you would do in an investigation yes you would and so, so it's kind of interesting to see it any, from, uh, from both uh, viewpoints I'm sorry it's it's interesting to see it from both both viewpoints. It is. Well, I don't like your viewpoint at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as as the victim of of this type of an investigation, the intrusiveness, the yes. psychological stress, the uh the the burden to prove that you are uh who you say you are and that you are uh, honest and giving of yourself to the military, and then to have to experience this sort of thing. And and I'm thinking, you know, I'm old uh, at this time. I'm in my mid 40s, and mm-hmm. to have these types of investigations going on against young privates and people that have just joined the military and then are caught up in a witch hunt exactly. uh, is is just. You know, it's it's just mind-boggling. It is. It is. You're Were you able to right. talk to anybody about these um, uh, these times while it was happening? No, uh, there was no one. And and what was what was frustrating <clears throat> was 
I, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know how to get help. I knew that um, I, I knew that I was going to do everything I could not to be thrown out of the military. And my my superiors said that you know you can stay on in the National Guard as long as it's not disruptive to the, to the unit's <laughs> mission, uh, as long as as you want, and, and we'll support you a hundred percent. And which is why I was allowed to continue to do my work for for the next two years, and and nobody knew uh, within my unit what was going on, and that that I had this albatross hanging over me. How hard that must have been. Yeah, it was it was hard because not only were you challenging the military, whose laws and policies that you uh, are defending. But you uh, are trying to change a policy from within the system, mm-hmm. and and everyone there is uh, for supporting the system. Yeah. So so you're very much alone, and it, it was sort of serendipitous that I finally ended up with a legal team from Lambda Legal Defense and Education Fund, which is a legal team that was out of New York and now also have an office in Los Angeles and I think San Francisco and, and the mid-West the mid uh, west also. Mm-hmm. And the Military Law Task Force out of San Diego, which uh, was the first place where they said, say nothing, mm-hmm. and, and sort of guiding me <laughs> for, you know, where I needed to go uh, in the future. And then uh, here in Seattle, ended up with, cooperating attorneys from the Northwest Women's Law Center and uh, Perkins Coie uh, here. So I ended up with this huge legal team ultimately, but mm-hmm. un- you know, getting those pieces put together uh, and realizing that I, I did have a legal team and we would be able to, to fight this. And then ultimately, uh, sort of the last thing was... Uh, getting a military attorney because I wasn't allowed to speak to any military attorney until I was told that I could have a military attorney. My goodness. At what point was that, Greta? Well, that was um, probably a year uh, or a year and a half after all of this began. And mm-hmm. then I was assigned an, an attorney, and uh, she ended up working with these other civilian attorneys because, you know, the law or the, the policy was fairly um, convincing <laughs> that if, if you were identified, and in my case, I self-identified, that uh, you would be thrown out of the military. And so the, uh, the civilian attorneys and the military attorneys wanted to have a complete record uh, so that uh, in in my military hearing, an administrative board that was going to determine whether or not I was going to be discharged or not, uh, but the records had to be complete before we could then file suit to say that that discharge, based on that case and everything that went in it, uh, was unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. And, and so you for did file- you did file the suit. Yeah, well, uh, right. I was uh, ultimately thrown out of the military and told by the president of the board that I was a great American. Uh, and unfortunately, under 
the provisions that the military had that I, uh, they would be forced to separate me. And uh, so... What type I, of discharge did you get? Well, I got an honorable discharge. Was and, there a condition uh, on it? I, I mean, pardon? Was there a condition on the honorable, as in you were not allowed to... No, it was, it was just an honorable discharge, but I do believe on my DD-214... Uh, that it has homosexuality, um, mm. from from what I recall, uh, so that you know it was clear that anybody that saw those papers would see that uh, I was homosexual, mm-hmm. which of course is not exactly how mm. you want to present yourself. With, gee, I've got all of these, uh, you mm. know, twenty twenty seven years in the military, etc. At that time, um, and. Um, Yet the reason I was discharged, despite all of the awards and commendations, was homosexuality. Um, And uh, we immediately went into federal court and filed suit that my discharge was unconstitutional. And um, Was that in the Washington federal court? Yes, it was in uh, the federal court here in Seattle, and uh, ultimately, uh, the courts ruled that my discharge was unconstitutional and that I should get constructive credit for the years that I was forced to be out and reinstated. And the following week, I was contacted by the uh, adjutant general for the Washington State National Guard and saying that I was never discharged and my Next drill was uh, the following weekend. How exciting. And uh, then I had to find my fatigues. Uh-huh. Uh, my son had them because he was using them for fishing. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and um, so uh, I went back uh, in, and the press was there, and, you know, they followed me uh, to, the, to the gate. There were cameras there and, and everything, and uh, I went on base and was received uh, with a standing ovation from uh, the people in the unit Mm. that uh, uh, I had served with previously. That's great. We have to take another break. Uh, More to come. Stay with us. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. 
NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll free right now at 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. We've been talking to Colonel... Greta Kammermeyer, and we'll come back to her in just a minute, but I promised you all that I would give you the answers to the blast from the past historical questions, and we'll do that right now. Uh, the questions were, who was the first female in management at Pinkerton? Who was the first female investigator in the Nevada Attorney General's office? And who was the first class of female, who was in the first class of female MPs for any branch of the military? And the answer is our co-host today, Private Investigator Gina Crown. And Gina Crown, that's in- incredible. So uh, you were at Pinkerton in 1977 in Los Angeles, and you were at Fort Gordon, Georgia in 1974 in the first class of the female PIs, or PIs, MPs. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. Those were interesting times. They were. So uh, back to Greta. So you you filed your lawsuit, and... Tell us about that. Tell us about being in court. Well, it it was uh, sort of intimidating, uh, also because all of a sudden uh, you had the the government uh, saying that you were a hazard to the military, and your own attorneys uh, saying that you know here's the record that shows that uh, she's not, and uh, then ultimately. Uh, wondering whether or not uh, justice was going to prevail. And some months later, uh, the judge, uh, Tom Zilley, ruled that my discharge 
was unconstitutional, and uh, the government was not happy about that and said that uh, if I was um, going to be reinstated in the military, it would do irreparable harm to the military, and the judge uh, ultimately said, you know, that he didn't think that I had that much power. And uh, so I, I went back uh, back in the military, and it was in some ways as though I had never been gone, but in other ways I had changed because I no longer trusted that the military would sort of take care of their own. Uh, sure. And uh, it was also very uh, sort of embarrassing that anyone and everyone should know that I was a lesbian. That's, you know, it was private, mm-hmm. uh, and yet uh, it was now so public because my case had, um, when it first started, it was when, when President Clinton, was, or candidate Clinton, was running for office. And, mm-hmm. and my case became notorious, I guess you would say, because Barbara Streisand and Glenn Close uh, were involved in the movie uh, Serving in Silence, which depicted this sort of coming out and challenging the military's policy. So it was on television, 25 million people saw it. Mm-hmm. And when the president, the candidate, Clinton, was traveling around, he would frequently be asked, and I also had the opportunity at a town meeting to ask if he would overturn the ban against gays serving in the military, and he said that he would. And then, of course, when he became president, there was such a pushback by the military and by the uh, congressional representatives that uh, you had this fiasco taking place in Washington, D.C. I ended up testifying in front of Strom Thurmond and Sam Nunn and uh, Lieberman and Levin and all of these fellows that, uh, you know, at at that time, even saying the word homosexual was you know something that was difficult for people to to wrap their uh, mouth around mm-hmm. um, uh, because it 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 just hadn't been discussed previously and uh, so it 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 ultimately resulted in um, the creation of the don't ask don't tell law that was uh, you know in place for 17 years and cost you know, over 13,000 careers in the military. It was extremely costly in terms of both finances for the federal government and loss of, of really marvelous, uh, dedicated uh, soldiers and sailors uh, and airmen and, and coasties. Uh, it, it, it was an obnoxious policy. And finally, uh, the 22nd of of December of 2010, uh, President Obama signed the repeal after it went through the congressional uh, struggles there through the House and Senate. And, um, and that you was, were there. I, I was invited. Uh, it was sort of by invitation only because everybody wanted to be there. And uh, I was um, invited uh, to be at the signing ceremonies and uh, actually to lead the Pledge of Allegiance, which was very humbling because for so long I had felt as though the pledge did not apply uh, to 
to those of us serving in the military who happened to be gay because liberty and justice was not there for us. And now it felt like it was. What a redemption. What a vindication. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, it, that's, that's what it finally felt like. But my goodness, the, the cost. But the example of you standing up, um, in, I mean, I think that's an example for everybody in any situation, that you stand up for what you believe and that you stand up for what's right. And that's, and that's your story, even though it surrounds being gay, it surrounds the military, but the thing you did, and rightfully so, is you stood up for something that was wrong. Well, I, it's it's those Nazis being in <laughs> in, in Norway that uh, yeah. got the ire of a Norwegian. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, we're just just up against the clock here, and I'd love to talk to you for hours more. But and I'm sure our listeners would too. But thank you for sharing your experience, Greta. Uh, if you want to know more about Greta or how to contact her, go to picclassified.com. Under today's show, Extinguished Military Career Interrupted. A link to her website is found under her bio. If you want to learn more about the history of detectives, spies, and private eyes, go to pimuseum.com. If you want to see these artifacts continue to be preserved, sign up as a member. The instructions are on the website. Next show will feature private investigator and author Kitty Haley, The Ethical Challenge. Tune in as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. It's PIC Classified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to PIC Classified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. PIC Classified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time here on the Voice America Variety Channel.